Happy New Year. It's just good to be in the house of God and together, life. Uh, we are uh, launched the new Bible st program, Bible reading program. And it's ambitious, but it's also very freeing and liberating. Uh, I, just, I just ran into some really old friends today reading. But what, what, what we're going to do, and it'll be kind of reorganized on the website by Tuesday. Have we passed out every, has everyone received a description of the books? Did we make sure those got out today? Yes? No? No, not the, that's the, that's the ones to read. What's the other one? The description. Will somebody make sure they get out there so you can get them uh, up on the way, on the way out? So they're on the table. So there's a description. Uh, here's, the, here's the deal. What's going to happen is we're going to go through the New Testament three times together. And we'll, be, we'll always be in, in the Gospels to the book of Acts and in the book of, um, from the epistles, Matthew, to the book of Revelation. And one chapter a day. We started today in Matthew chapter 1 and chapter, uh, uh, excuse me, and then in uh, Romans chapter 1, which in the first five verses, you have three verses that describe the entire gospel. And there's just so much, there's so much that's in this. But we're going to read together, and that's all you got to do. The, the Old Testament is the bonus because it's all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we don't ever want to lose sight of the fulfillment and go backwards because you go backwards, you go back into the law without ever realizing it. You just start thinking of that law cause and effect when not accepting that God put all the cause onto Jesus who's created a brand new effect of righteousness by faith. So we, we stay in the New Testament, love to do it. So if you, if, you, if you got the slide up like today, all right, so you have today, We'll put it in that order. Always start in the, in the New Testament. It's the new covenant. It's the one that which we are living from. It's where God knows us in. It's a covenant that's not based in the law of, of works. It's based on the law of forgiveness and the spirit. So then we go and go to Genesis, which was chapter 1, and then to Job. And I put in the description... Job is a really interesting book. It's what we call the beginning of the poetry books, which we go from Job all the way to Song of Solomon. Uh, the, otherwise, the first group of books are the Torah or the Pentateuch and the history books that take us all the way to Esther. Job is a, one of the oldest books in the Bible, and it's, it's a 42-chapter book. Uh, it is anyone who's ever walked through trials that without, without clarity as to why and had others give advice that made you feel less comforted, this is a great book to try to learn to navigate through that inevitable experience back into the sovereignty of God and out of the pride of man. Uh, I'll tell you a couple of quick things. Job, the first two chapters is, is a dialogue between God and Satan. And God is actually pointing out to Satan that Job is a righteous man of integrity and shuns evil and fears God. He has an objective for Job. Job's going to come into a level of freedom he could never have had. We'll find that at the end of the book. Chapter 3, Job now finally gone through two severe testings that have gotten all the way to the point of boils on his body and just misery. Gets, starts off by saying, I wish I'd never lived. I wish no one had ever given my mom the news that a boy had been born. He 
Before that, he has three, three friends who have shown up that are real, real friends. They've been there for seven days, sat in silence, just like, what happened? And not, not saying a word. But then in chapter uh, 4, I believe, or it's chapter 3, the beginning of the, the discourse of the friend starts and Job's response. And in chapter 4, there's a portion, I put it in the description, the verses. It is really like a five, six verses that explains where they're getting their information from, which is very important because basically from chapter 3 to 31, you really can't trust what you're reading. You can't read any of it and just say it's all verbatim because you have people in accusation to Job that it's all his fault. That's why he's here, which isn't the truth. But then it's Job, which I don't know. Have you ever been in a position where people are accusing you of wrongdoing and you know you're not doing wrong and you try to defend yourself? And the more you defend yourself, the more you kind of like dig yourself into your own position that you don't really want to defend yourself into. So at the end of chapter 31, so it's a really good discourse. You will find yourself in the book many times. But in the end of 31, there steps a fourth man, Elihu. Elihu has, to me, is the Holy Spirit. And his name even references that because it's God the strength and the third person. But he steps up and begins to speak. And he's the first person that can get a hold of Job. Because by the end of the, the 31 chapters, Job's friends have pointed out his problem without giving a solution. And Job has justified himself rather than justifying God. So everybody's estranged. Elihu has to begin to enlarge Job's vision. And after he's gotten a hold of got Job's attention, then God himself shows up in a whirlwind. And Job, who's complaining in chapter 3 of the day he was born, wish he'd never lived, he said, I've heard of you in the hearing of the ears, but now I see you, <laughs> and I repent in dust and ashes. See, it's all about perspective. Where you are is not where you are. Where you are is what's keeping you where you are. The inside insight that you hold of yourself that often is perfectly fine in, the, in, an, in an all right setting. But when pressure comes, accusation comes, challenges come, then we rise up to try to uh, get a hold of those things that we've built in our life to defend us and protect us and be our savior. And it takes a while for that to dismantle. But when it does and God shows up and you begin to see him for who he is, you're free. And Job ends the, the book twice as much physical wealth. It's recorded in chapter 1 and re-recorded chapter 2. He's doubled his, he's doubled his resources. His children, he's got new children, new daughters. And he comes into a whole revelation of God that he could never have had except he had gone through the circumstances to which the devil kept pushing on him and the accuser kept accusing him and he kept defending himself and didn't recognize wait a second there's always something more happening than what I see there's always a bigger picture than what I'm in there's always another narrative than the one I'm hearing and so it's a beautiful book it saved my life a number of times
and uh, we'll get it at Habakkuk. You can do the short version. It's three chapters. Same, same book, same kind of storyline. But then we did uh, Isaiah chapter 1. Whoa, Isaiah chapter 1. Wow. Anyway, take your time. Here's what I wanted to in- impress us, and this is I'm launching us into this. I really believe that as Jubilee, as a living body of Christ dwelling and gathering at Jubilee, we'll read the New Testament together consistently, and we will advance in our faith in the Lord Jesus in untold ways. And most important, if you miss the, God, if you miss the Old Testament reading, start up the next day where we are. If you, you know, sometimes I'll miss two or three days and I can find a way to get all those days done because I want to. But never get under the burden that you have to. If you're reading Job and you go, man, this thing is depressing, then quit reading it. And sometimes books don't work until you are at the right place for the book to help you. Does that make sense? So be free, but stay in the New Testament because this is all about Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of what God has accomplished in him. And we'll look at that today. But I'm really, really, really excited about what God's going to do. This revolutioned my life this year, reading the Bible. Not topically and not what I'm uh, in pursuit of, but just reading it in an orderly fashion and submitting myself to whatever the scripture brought me to. And boy, have I gotten convicted over a lot of things. But it's good. Conviction is a beautiful thing uh, because it leads to repentance. Repentance is a wonderful thing because it leads to salvation. Salvation is a beautiful thing because it leads to a free life without regrets. So I'm always looking to get caught. I want to repent so I can return so that I can then have that point of refreshing. So join me and let's do it together. Today's a great day. Let's start. uh, The second thing... Uh, we started two years ago with the men to pray an hour a day, five days a week. We, of course, we started with the men because men need more help than women. Uh, just, it's just facts. Because women, God took out of man Eve so that he could help Adam find God. So there's an intuitiveness in women that, that have a, a propensity to alert which can mean open doors for deception, but it also can be that which kind of uh, sees, vi- sees what's happening before the man can see it. But we start with the men because when men get into prayer, there's authority because they were meant to be the ones who are lifting up their holy hands without wrath or doubt. And they're the ones that are supposed to be standing in the gap over their family and in their nation. And so we started five days a week, one hour a day. We're still doing it. Love for every, ask the Lord, am I supposed to pray an hour a day, five days a week? And that means reading your Bible with it. I, I, sometimes anymore, I just read my Bible aloud, and that becomes my prayer. Some of my prayers, I used to have so much that I knew God needed to do, so I had to make sure he knew about it. <laughs> now I have really little for him to do except what he's already wrote, read about, wrote about. So if I read it to him, I come into agreement with his words, his words begin to bring comfort to me, and before long, they become my expectation. And once you're submitting to the word, in the word, then truth starts finding its way into, your, into my life, and truth starts making me free. So that hour a day, five days a week, because it's never always every day, 
and sitting in, including, that's including the Bible reading, I believe you will find your, your whole entire life to come out of confusion. Confusion exists because of loopy loops in our thinking because we're listening to other voices than the one voice we should be hearing, which is God. And it's hard to hear God's voice unless you're into God's word because God does not say anything outside of his word. But he does say everything from his word. So when, the, when I'm inside the word, then he has a lot to speak out of. And it just becomes a beautiful thing. And the third thing we started last year was the, the Wednesday corporate prayer to build teams to gather for a couple hours from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to agree with God to be that voice of agreement on earth with what heaven's speaking from the spirit and in the word. And it's life-changing. I gained so many insights because I sit with a group of friends who do not come with an agenda other than to listen to what God is praying and saying in the prayers and sayings of the people declaring the scripture and reading it out loud and praying it and we start moving because God is in our midst. It's the only dynamic that we can't do by ourselves is to have the, emit, the, the promise of Jesus is in the midst of two or three of us gathered together in his name. And he doesn't need a lot of us. I know God, Jesus knew human nature. He was a man. And he knew that it would be hard to get 200 or 300 of us together in, gathered in his name. But if he could get two or three of us, then he'd be in the midst. And so then all of a sudden... I'm reading the scripture because my heart's being stirred and someone else hears my scripture that I read that I prayed and that triggered another scripture that they thought had thought of, had not thought of, but now that I read that scripture, they thought of it and you get a supernatural dynamic of revelation. You can move into realms that you can never hold and keep yourself. You'll walk out of a prayer meeting just assured that you've just discovered the, the answer and what God's doing in the next 15 minutes. Many times it's the next 15 years. But it's okay, because you've got an inside track. We get to learn to live by faith. It's just another dimension. So ask the Lord, can I come and be a part of a, of a, a watch? We try to start them on, on the even hours, 6, 8, 10, 12, 2, 4, 6, and the last 3.30 to 5.30, we do a worship watch. And again, you can come anytime for as long or as little as you want. But those are three things that we're doing, that we've been growing for two years, disciplines. When we came out of the parking lot, back into the building, the Lord wasn't impressed about us getting back to have the building. He asked, why are you coming into the building? And I said, I, don't, I know you're not asking me because I have the answer. So you tell me, why are we coming back in the building? He said, for discipleship. I want to disciple or discipline. I want to grow up my children. So it changed the way we were looking at what we were, why we were in the service. It wasn't for convenience. It wasn't for trying to do something for people. It was for us to become something in Christ. And we've been doing really well. And thank you guys. Thank you for all just being submitted to things that are, you know, may not always be what everybody's doing. We're in a, well, we're, we're in a, changing society, so it doesn't even matter now where we are. Uh, we're, we're coming into conformity to Christ. We're coming into transformation out of the world and the worldly system that has permeated everything. So it's a rapid trans change. 
Uh, the one thing I want to now introduce tonight, today, is what I believe will be the focus of this year. And uh, I'll give you two, two pictures of where I know we are prophetically as the living body. And then I want to talk about the branch and this glorified Jesus Christ living in and through us. Uh, if many of you remember back in Second Chronicles 20 and 2020, we began to focus on what those verses were, that if you will listen to the prophets, believe the prophets, listen to believe in God, you'll prosper. And then 21, begin to sing his praise and the beauty of his holiness. And as they began to do that, there were three armies. There were Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir. And they were all, had all gathered around Jerusalem or Judea to take away the kingdom of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat had humbled himself and got called for a fast. And in the fast, the prophetic word rose up that he, they were to fight by standing inside of salvation, standing up in it, and seeing it. And then that translated for them to send the praisers before the army to praise God in the beauty of his holiness, to praise him for his mercy, and to begin to declare the Lord. So that instructions were given in 2021. In 2020, which is 2 Chronicles 2020, which was the last, 2022, excuse me, 2022, we went into actually doing it. And I know a lot of you have, and I appreciate every one of us every time. It's an interesting picture because they're coming down from Jerusalem and the armies of the three nations are gathered down toward the valley where by the Dead Sea and they're on their way up and it wasn't and and so they can't see the army they don't have drones they don't have satellites they just know what's coming and they know that God told them to go face the army and he said but do it in by facing me first praise me so they begin that trek, and in chapter 22, they begin in earnest. And it says in chapter 22 that when they begin to praise the Lord, chapter 20, I'm just 20, 20, verse 22, you're right, Barb, that the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. They were defeated. As Scripture is, Scripture often states the truth and then re-elaborates it larger the next time around. Like today, we got to go through the new creation, of the first cre the creation story in Genesis 1. Tomorrow, we're going to do it again with some new, new addendums to it, like making, the bringing forth of Eve, the, the planting of the garden. So it's, that, that's, that's Hebrew, Asian, much more than Western. Western is chronological linear thinking. Hebrew, Asian thinking is circular means let's do it again, let's look at it one more time, let's add more, t more details to the story. So in verse 22, they, it stated they were defeated. 23, which is the year we're in, I believe, we get details. We don't get to see them, but we get to feel them. We get to start to see the unseen. Because it says, for the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, to utterly kill and destroy them. Ammon and Mount Moab, they're brothers, and uh, Mount Seir is Edom, or Esau. 
There are all these cousins that Israel had no authority to engage in, yet God was the only one who could deal with it judiciously. We all have people in our life like that, right? Just, you know, it's out of my hands to deal with that, but it's in God's hands to deal with all things. So they killed, they destroyed them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Mount Seir, they destroyed one another. So what we're coming into this year is, is we're in a mid, continued year of transition, but we're going to come into a much greater awareness of what God is doing, yet we will not see it with our eyes yet. So we will grow in confidence in the move of the Spirit and the works of God. That's why the Word of God is becoming so powerful right now, because whatever the Bible says is true. <laughs> and you can just accept it and begin to live there and, and anticipate it and experience it. And so we're going to come into that knowing of what's happening without yet seeing it. Now, 2024 is, a, is, is going to be a banner year. Because it says, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness. And it's changed whatever wilderness we've been in, whatever trials and tests that we've been going through, they're training for our reigning. There's coming a day, and I believe by next year, that we're going to come to a place overlooking them. Above. Above. Overcomers. Above the thing that has been pulling us down, contending with our life. Uh, uh, displacing that came above. And they looked toward the multitude. So they knew the army was, they, they had no knowledge other than whatever was going on in their spirit. They went to look over the multitude and there were these dead bodies fallen on the earth and no one had escaped. Now, in our life that we have, the living Jesus Christ, I look for dead bodies of people falling, slain by the Spirit, taken down, repenting, crying out for salvation, recognizing that they are fighting against God's covenant people and wanting inside covenant. But however, they all of a sudden saw what two years of faith had, they had been in, in, engaged in, which is basically keep the praise up. Keep the praise up. Keep the praise up. Just keep the praise up. Find a way to praise him. Use the book of Psalms. If you don't have anything good to say about God, read Psalms to him. It says a lot of good things to him, and you'll soon start feeling them and believing them. It's just changing. 25 could be a banner year of reaping. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, they found among the abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away, and they were there three days. You see, the devil, God has a way of letting the devil move outwardly and exponentially because he's about to overwhelm him, and he always makes sure the enemies bring their gold with them. Just, it's, throughout the, it's all throughout the Bible. You just, it's like why they park their, filled their pockets full of gold, but God goes, goes you're all going to die, and we're transferring your wealth. So, wow, I'm excited about those years. Wes Munyon had given me a, a pointed out a word, and I thought, you know what, I believe that to be true. If you follow that, just same simple. Again, it's not nothing profound. It, if it works and helps encourages your faith, then you can use it. If it doesn't, you don't. It's not anything. But uh, it's John 20, chapter 20, verse 23, is the famous statement Jesus says to his disciples. 
if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. In this week's prayer on Wednesday, I was really getting, again, that strong conviction. We are, I think, far too conservative with forgiveness. I think we need to be absolutely liberal with forgiveness. We need to be throwing it everywhere. And did you know, according to the scripture, God has given us authority to see sin and ask life instead of judgment. He's given us the authority to forgive sins that are not sins against us, but maybe against him or against someone else. I, I would like to explore this year, and I think it would be a great time to explore, how far can forgiveness go from one individual? How far can I extend the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? How many sins can I remit? Uh, start with myself and God. Always keep a soft heart because I need to be forgiven every day. If I walk in the light, he's in the light. We have fellowship. His blood is cleansing me. If I start saying I don't have sin, then I'm making God a liar, and, and I'm starting to drift into darkness. So I'm always can be aware of the tenderness of my heart. If my heart's tender, I'm going, oh, Lord. <laughs> I am. I, let me, example, prodigals. We've been doing these prodigals, all these names, and, and we're praying. And so, uh, every time I pray, I try to position my heart as the person who needs the prayer I'm praying. I don't try to pray prayers for others because Really, I don't have authority in that level as to change others, but I want whatever I see to hear to affect me. So I thought to myself, um, what is a prodigal? Well, I mean, I know what I think a prodigal is. Someone's not going to church. Someone did turn back on their faith. Someone's been offended. Someone is not going to, you know, went off to go live riotous living like the prodigal's son. But it, it, it literally means riotous. It means uh, the whole, let me just find it for you out of just a quick verse look, because it's, um, it's, it is all-inclusive. So if I read the prodigals in one way, I think it's those people outside the church and none of us in here. But then I'm missing out on a whole lot of prayer because I think I'm in that bucket. I want to be in that bucket. Uh, let me see, fasting and prayer last week. So, okay. It's just, a, it's just one simple word. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It literally would mean unsavedness. Wherever I'm living unsaved. How, how do you know? Well, it's not abundant life. It's not Jesus in the forefront. It's not joy in the, in, the, in the utmost. It's not peace surrounding me. Wherever I'm unsaved, even though I am saved, if I was to die, I would all of me be up with Jesus, but I'm unsaved in some of the areas of life that are being conf conflicted, maybe sickness, maybe disease, maybe, maybe distress, depression. So, so then I started praying, Lord, I want you to come and grant me repentance. I want to repent. 
I want to repent. Show me something I don't see, because I can't see what I don't see unless you show me what I don't see. I can't know what I don't know unless you tell me what I don't know, and the only way I know what I don't know is what I know when I know something about you that contrasts you from me. And then you become everything, and me I'm nothing, and I can return to you and, and, and rejoice in everything. So that's, that's just my path in prayer. I, I believe it's a... I, I'm trying to avoid justification by my actions. I'm better than other people, and especially despising others that are wicked, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So that's a pretty... How did we get the gospel? Promised by God through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What is the gospel of God? Concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, the stem of Jesse, the root of David, according to the flesh. So when Jesus, when the God the Son becomes Son of Man, he is submitting himself to the Father to be placed in the womb of Mary, and he is now man, ever forever dependent upon God, not carrying any of his... Uh, uh, in, in essence, he's everything, but he's carrying none of the privilege, none of the tr uh, honor, none of the, the titles and, and functions, none of it. He's just a baby. Has to have his diapers changed. Does not know he's the Messiah when he's laying in the manger. Any more than I knew who I was today when I was just, I don't even remember the days, you know, in the crib. So he's very dependent, and it's, but it's important part because he's come to do the will of the Lord. He's come to do the will of the Lord. It was written in a scroll. It's written in a scroll, the days that are told me to do the will of God. It's my delight to do your will. So he's born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So all of this functionality of Messiah starts from the resurrection of the dead, which is really cool news because it means we haven't yet tasted very much of what, we, what the, the Messiah sitting on the throne as a high priest and king can do within his living body. We, 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 we can get mixed up in the order of things, so therefore we think that everything we saw Jesus do on the Galilee was, was what Jesus is to the totality of today when that's just was... The, the anointed servant of God as a man functioning in, in all of that glory by the Holy Spirit. But now as the, as the glorified Messiah sitting at the throne and having a living body to live through, we haven't seen anything that, can, that could happen. So there the Son of God with power to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of dead. So that's the whole gospel, the gospel of God. Promise made. David, born according to David's seed of flesh, declared to be the son of God by the, by the spirit of holiness in the resurrection from the dead. Now, let me take you to Isaiah 51. I know this is a Bible study, but we've got a year to, to do this. I was, uh, it was a year ago, January, sometime in January. We were up, Kathy and Mac McCoy, Cammie and myself, we were up in uh, Santa Ynez. We were uh, celebrating the life of uh, Gregory Kuski, who had just passed seven days prior. We're having a meal together. 
We're talking stories. And Mac leans over to me and says, you know, I think there's a branch of Jubilee here. Now, I know in my old thinking, I would think, oh, yeah, it's like we start a church over there. Or we start some kind of intentional duplication or replication or multiplication. But when I heard it, I heard in my spirit, the branch. And so I talked to Jan the next morning. I said, you know, Jan, I've heard the Lord speak about the branch. There's going to be the branch in San Inez. And I don't believe it's a... It's, it's like, a, oh, let's transplant a Jubilee church up there. I believe it's going to be, and I use the word organic because I didn't have a better word. It's not organic as opposed to man-made, manufactured, organized by men, which is really proven to happen. And she'll be with us on the 14th to share the testimony of her ex- experience of this life-giving. I've come to use the word now eternal life, the life that's in the sun. God has a testimony. He says, I have a testimony of my son, John, 1 John 5. And this is my testimony concerning my son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have the life. So life is in the son, this eternal life. This is to grow forth out from the branch. But now if we go to uh, Isaiah chapter 53. 53, I'm sorry. This chapter saved my life more times than I can ever remember recall because it helped me understand life in identification with Jesus Christ on the earth. It isn't always the, the glorious one I want, but it's the, sometimes in positions of, of soul consternation. But this begins by this simple statement, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? We will find as we study the Bible that the arm of the Lord is is the sending of the Messiah, is the Son of Man being given as a, as a way of intercession to save the earth from its sins. And who will this arm be revealed? And who will this report be heard? He will grow up. Now, we understand this. He will grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. When Jesus walked the earth, he walked in the fragility of humanity. He was subject to death over time. He would not have lived forever because he was of the seed of David. So he was, in, he, he was coming for an assignment. And when we, assume, when, we, when we can embrace the fullness of what he accomplished, then we can enlarge, step into realms that we've not understood that are already accessible because we're already in him. But it says he'll grow up as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. If I was to meet Jesus as a teenager, as a middle in his 20s, even in any aspect of his ministry, there would be nothing of his humanity that would draw me to him. He had no uh, human appeal. Why would he? Because he was not of this world he was carrying the, mo- the humility of the Father. He was so, so, so when you, you weren't drawn to him by his charisma. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. That's as Jesus walked a journey as a man of sorrow, yet he was always joyful. He was rejected by men, yet he was most loved son that ever walked the earth. He walked in secret with God the Father and lived from that place, yet he was 
con in conflict. And we hid, because this is what we do when we see somebody in an awkward, awkward, awful place. We kind of shun. He says, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. So rather than recognizing the first assignment of the Son of Man, which was to become the sacrifice for our sin, which was to identify with God in total submission, obedience, to do the will of the Father so that he could be submitted to the Father to be crushed and put to death, we saw him as they saw him. That's your fault. You did something. Like Job's friends. It's your fault. We hid, as it were, our faces. We, he was despised. We didn't esteem. We didn't appreciate it. And surely he's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, or bore our sicknesses, carried our diseases. He bore our stuff. Yet we, me, esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. That's what everybody saw him on the cross. This is because you made yourself out to be the son of God. If you really are the Son of God, come off the cross. If you come off the cross, we'll believe you. But if you're on the cross, I won't believe you. It's the whole nature of man that was sown in by, by the Satan when we went into rebellion to say, I can live without God, and I'll do it the way I want to do it without God. And God can help me if he wants to, but he'd get out of my way if he won't. And just kind of this insidiousness. So He's wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And then the statement will close because we got to run out of time. All we like sheep have gone astray. All we. Me. We. We, me. All we like sheep have gone astray. You say, well, how did you go astray? How do I go astray? We've turned everyone to his own way. I did it my way. We, we, that, that's iniquity. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The word laid on is intercession. He became my sin bearer. The first intercession that Christ accomplished as son of man, submitted to the Father, was to be the sin bearer. The next intercession he now accomplishes, seated at the right hand of the Father, in, is to bring the righteousness bearer, to bring us into the fullness of righteousness. That's why he, uh, Hebrews 7 says that he can save us to the uttermost through his intercession. But the first was to bear the sin, to, bear the, to carry that. And what a gift, what a gift, what a gift. But notice, he's not the branch. He's a tender plant, a root. He didn't fit because he was overcoming the world to a whole different spirit than the world was operating in. And we are in the same way overcoming a world in a different spirit than the world's operating in. But let's fast forward to uh, Zechariah chapter 3. Two more verses and we're closing. This is a big, a big, big thing, but I've had a year to meditate on it. And I'm not in a hurry to get anywhere. Just looking forward to what God's going to do. Because watch these. Now we're going to see the glorified. In Zechariah chapter 3, one of, again, Hallmark's chapters in our, in our body. I think about verse 6. But let me see. Uh, yes. Uh, and the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua. Joshua is the high priest. And he's just been brought forth in a glorious retransformation of robes, of mindsets, of Satan being rebuked, 
And now he's admonishing. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, then you will also judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts, and I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. This is, again, this is so much about the hour we live in today. Hear, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch, the mediator, the glorified son of man, the one whom I'm going to bring forth as my son in resurrection. And when I do so, he will have this whole realm of authority. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon the stone are seven eyes. That's seven spirits of God, always present. Behold, I will engrave in its subscription, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. Now, I want to ask you something, and it's not a trick question. Did Jesus remove the iniquity of the land in one day? Yes, he did. Has it been repeated upon? Has sin been sinned upon? And yeah, 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 yeah. But did the essence of sin be resolved? There's only one offering for all sin for all time. There's no more where there's remission. There's no more offering for sin. So something was accomplished. And when that was fully accomplished, when it fully finds expression in the living body, he says, At, in that day, says the Lord, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. You see a place of community, a place of, of gathering, a place of receiving and welcoming one another. Zechariah chapter 6. This is our last verse, and we'll close with prayer. Um, chapter 6, probably around verse 8, 12. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. I have so many things on my phone right now. I, take, I don't want to. Take the time, Zechariah. Nope, longer, further, further in. Uh, it's it's the receive the gifts from the captives. Do, 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 do. Ten. Thank you, thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken, for ten. Ken knew it was ten. Receive the gift from the captives. Get up. Everything in, the li everything in life is prophetic. Everything that's happening inside of us is on purpose and God's doing something. And if we listen and learn, we can always observe, wow. Like last night, what's that? A great way to end the year. Oh, come on. Fire, rushing wind and rain and flood out the ungodliness and the residue of the year. Fast away, the old year travels. We live by the river bottom. We watch the muddy water flooding down the Pacific Ocean. I mean, tell you what. So, receive the gift from the captives, from Heldai, Tobijah, and for Jedediah, who have come to ba from Babylon. And go the same day and enter the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and the gold and make an elaborate crown. Set it on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. is a prophetic act. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out. From the place he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. From his 
exalted place he shall branch out and he shall build the temple of God. Not the, not the Ezekiel's temple, not any building on, on Temple Mount. It's the living temple, the body of Jesus Christ. For he shall build the temple of God. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory. Only one who could bear the glory. The same reason the government sits on his shoulder. He shall sit and rule on his throne. He shall be a priest on his throne. This is where we now behold the kingly, priestly ministry of the Messiah. Something that was understood but not understood in the first advent when he came to be the offering for sin and an obedient son. He will be priest on his own, and the council of peace shall be between them both, between king and priest, between king on the throne and priest on the throne. Now the elaborate crown, now we'll stop there. So the picture of our glorified Christ, sitting at the right hand of the, Messiah, of the Father, majesty, is king and priest. That's why we're made to be kings and priests, right? That's why... He is the King of kings and, and Lord of lords. It's, and so, now, for a moment, just close our Bible. Let me give us a vision, and we're going to take communion. All of this is now present, and he's building his temple, and he's bringing the council of peace between king and priest. And we are getting to be a part of something so enormous and so beautiful. It's basically we each carry the life of Jesus Christ within us, the eternal life of God. We, we could look at it as, wrong as John 15. He's the vine where the branches. There's life that flows from him through us. Not from us, but through us. To us, but from him. And it flows. And that life is resurrection life. It's the life that will heal you, save you, deliver you, make you full of joy, full of peace, irregardless of circumstances, no matter where you are and what's happening to you, it is absolutely overcoming life, triumphant resurrection life. Uh -huh. And available to live, to be manifest inside the living body of Jesus Christ. And the thing that we're in stepping into is it's about time to uncork it, to let the life of God that's in you start living through you. A first affecting you to its uttermost and then beginning to touch everyone and it's changing the course of the way we gather. Not to gather to receive, but gather to give. The freely we receive, then we can freely give. To, to, to allow the life that's flowing in us to flow out of us. To, to allow where we live, work, and play to be places where God finds expression in the place we live, work, and play. And letting him just start having ways out. Just start releasing him. And I believe as we open the door to this. So, so simply think, let's do this today. Let's take communion. Let's activate the life of God that's in us by faith. We know these stories. Let's just take the, take the top off and get the piece of bread. Oh, praise you, Jesus. I know this is a big picture, but if you'll just pause, take time with the scriptures, meditate. I am so knowing that the Holy Spirit will bear witness as to our part, each of us. See, we're not going to be man-centric. We're going to be body-centric. 
We're not going to be ministry motivated. We're going to be member activated. What God is about to do is take the, take the boundaries off of a lot of lives. It's not going to be a limited for, focus on how we can express Christ. It's going to be an unlimited way for Christ to express himself in his body. And we're going to start carrying and living, and there will be multiplications of miracles and healings. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a returning, I think, to the first beginning church where the deacons were healing the sick, and the first martyr was a deacon. It's just... It's, it's, it's increase. But let's first start with ourselves. We're no good to anyone if we're not victorious in our own life. We can't help overcome anyone if we're not overcoming in our own internal position of health. So here's the body. Broken. And when he was placed on the cross and bore our sin, and then he died, and when he was raised from the dead, he became a new and living way to approach God. And this is life. And there's nothing that we're enduring right now that keeps us from that life. He bore our sicknesses. He carried away our diseases. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you, upon your death, ushered in the beginning of the greatest realm of life, kingdom realm of victory through your body. So, Lord, as we eat your body, we receive your death, declare your death, and receive new life in Jesus' name. Let's eat together. Take off the top. Here's the cup. The blood, the remission of sins. This is the new covenant. That's why we have to read the New Testament, not the Old Testament purposefully because this is the new covenant it's in the remission of sins in the blood so this remitted of remission of sin is in this blood it's the new covenant the new covenant is remission of sins so we are going to receive the remission of all of our sins every failure of 2022 and every day before that we're going to receive the remission of this and give this remission of sin to everyone who sinned against us and just receive new life Merciful he is, and forgiving he is. So let's drink together. Oh, now just let that turn inside. Holy, holy. Would you stand with me for one moment? Stand together, stand up in salvation, see salvation, receive salvation, Christ our King. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Right now, while you're standing, receive forgiveness. Dismantling of structures of man, made or self-made or others pushed upon. Receive liberty. Receive healing in your living, in your body by the, the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. Receive. 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 Receive joy that's inexpressible, full of glory. Receive peace that passes all understanding, guarding hearts and minds in Christ. Receive abundance of life. Wow. Receive. Receive. Come on, just receive. It's right now a receiving moment. Receive resurrection life. Receive perfection. Receive the victory of what Christ accomplished.
change our thinking, I'd like to change the words of that first line to say, we receive all your glory. It was a prayer of Jesus, and it is all documented in the New Testament that we have been received into the glory of God in Christ Jesus. We're still going to worship only one, the Lord. He's the only one worthy to be praised. But when the glory of God comes into our life, it eradicates death and destruction, hurts and wounds, and it can liberate us in ways that just living in the squander of the earth seems to always perpetuate the problem. So we receive all the glory. Then we're going to do one more simple thing, and I think you'll like it. We receive all your glory. It's not mine, it's yours, but I receive it. on their shoulder and begin to release the glory of God that's dwelling inside of us in Christ and begin to command blessing into their future, into their life, into the year. Let's do it to everyone, everyone online. I speak into your life right now. I declare that the resurrection Christ who dwells in your body, the same spirit that raised him from the dead is giving life to your mortal body, that you're coming into the entirely new place that you're, you are, you're an overcomer, triumphant in Christ, and you're bringing the life of God into family, into friends, wherever you have to go, wherever you have to be, God is going with you, and God is being there in you. You're going to live in the abundant life that he's carrying, and you're going to carry it with you. Blessing, blessing. Well, I don't want to release a blessing. You can keep praying for each other. But, but, but we, we let the life of God flow. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless your church, the living body of Jesus Christ. We want to become everything that we become in Christ. We want to see everything that Christ obtained to flow through us. We want to enter into the fullness of the branch, multiplying, becoming fruitful, multiplying, beautiful in every area of life through us. And we honor you, Jesus. All praise and all glory to you, Lord Jesus. You make it all possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessing.